So hey there, you're listening to The Pendola Project, episode 74, Monday Motivation. Whatever you think, you're probably right. You're going to want to take notes on this one. This is one of my favorite topics because it goes along the thought that whatever you tell yourself is what you will end up believing and whatever you believe will shape your life. You're going to hear Matt and Aaron talk about things like mindset and practicing it, mechanical feedback so that your body can get involved in the process, personalizing your affirmations, and laying blame when sometimes it's not helpful. There's also some talk of fortune telling, but don't get your tarot cards out yet. It's not that kind. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It really helps us spread the word. Join the conversation on our Facebook or Instagram, at Pendola Project. Sign up for the email newsletter to go deeper in these conversations. And most importantly, thank you for listening. I'm excited. Happy Monday motivation. Get your candles ready. We're diving into the mind, because whatever you think, you're probably right. On today's podcast, we're talking about whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. That's by Henry Ford, I believe. And there's a lot of automatic negative thoughts that tend to sabotage us. This is the Monday Motivation Podcast, so I'd even like to start off with what really is motivation? Does motivation work? And if not, why not? I've even been criticized before for calling our Monday podcast Monday Motivation because motivation is fleeting, and that's something that I actually agree with. So why are we promoting motivation if we can't hold on to it, if we can't produce something with motivation. I think the part about it being, quote unquote, Monday motivation was the criticism saying that uh, you should be motivated every day, but we don't do a podcast every day. So I think it's the daily practice of staying motivated that is the, the core concept here. I'm, I'm motivated 24-7. Yes, I'm aware. And if and if and if you believe that, I have some really nice land to sell you in the desert. <laughs> yeah, staying motivated on a daily basis, not just for Monday, but you know, Mondays seem to be that day where people are, you know, we're getting the week going and I actually really like Mondays, but I know it's a pretty common thought that Mondays kind of suck for most people, so I don't know. I like Mondays. To me, motivation is just a spark, but I do think it's an important spark. Sometimes that's all you need, a little kick in the butt. You get motivated, you get out there, and then you start to do something repetitively or consistently enough that you start to actually enjoy it. And that's, you know, we talk about the runner's high, for example. You you don't just get that runner's high on day one. You, you kind of have to work for it. You, you get to the point where you sort of earn that second wind or that runner's high, and you realize you can keep going. And I believe that comes with consistency, at least with a lot of my clients and, and athletes that of taking on running programs with us, it's it's generally about three to six week period that they start to actually fall in love with the process more. And then it's really consistent by that point without having to really push them to be consistent. Well, yeah, once you see a or feel a positive effect from what you're doing, that motivation will come so much easier, you know, once you feel that effect from what you're doing. And then it's just, oh, I, I'm much more likely to be motivated to do this again, because I realize now how good it was. 
automatic negative thoughts will be there though. And that's what I love to bring up because many of our clients, athletes, friends, family think that we're always motivated, that we always believe to achieve, that there's nothing that gets in our way. We can't stop it. I'm laughing because I'm Italian. I'm waving my hands around in this small little studio. I had to scoot back a little bit. I almost got knocked in the face. (laughs) I almost knocked you in the head. Okay. Sorry. So that's motivating though. When I move my hands, our producer said, you know, Matt, you got to get back to doing what you normally do when you stand up, when you move your hands around. So that's what I'm doing because we're in a smaller space and it's got to, I just have to figure out how to do that without accidentally whacking you, you know? That would be, that'd be nice. (laughs) That'd be nice. So we're working on it. Okay, guys. So talking about what happens here with automatic negative thoughts and how we can deal with those. First of all, do you think that automatic negative thoughts come into your mindset quite often, Aaron? Uh, not as much anymore, but yes, they used to. Yeah, well, I, I think that when it comes to mindset and motivation, th- that's where many people feel like they are negative if they have a negative thought or they're being negative and that's a bad thing where actually it's a very important part of the process and I think you have to recognize that you're going to have those negative thoughts and just be ready to have some answers for those thoughts but accept the fact that you are going to have them and it is natural part of your process and yes I have negative thoughts all the time I don't know how many negative thoughts that we have in a day, but I've heard it can be up into the thousands. I don't know how true that is, but what I do know is that the more difficult of a situation that you're in or the more that you're pushing yourself for better goals or to to achieve more in your life or to sort of rise and and achieve these things that don't come easily in life, there's with that sort of hardship there's obviously going to be more negative thoughts because you're in a place that maybe you haven't been before and you're not sure how to think about it or how to deal with it but that's a good thing if you see it that way here's an opportunity for me to take this resistance and see it as a challenge instead of a threat it's the 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 bitter without the sweet or the sweet without the bitter you know just if something is good all the time you kind of get complacent with that so you need a little bit of that i'll say the bitter to to make you realize how good the other the other half is for you the bitter i like that that's always or never negative or positive these are things that we have to deal with when it comes to automatic negative thoughts and what i mean by that is we're always going to have negative thoughts but we never have to accept them it's how we see ourselves and how we choose to see ourselves which i think is the main thing to consider here you can choose to see yourself differently by adding ing and I got this from Dr. Del Cotter in the uh, PECI course that I'm 
been taking over the last year. And uh, what she talks about there is just adding ING to reinforce what you're doing so that you can believe in it, but you're not exactly faking it till you make it. So to be specific there, if you don't feel like you're strong enough, but you say, I am strong, you may not believe it and you're just feeling silly about even saying something positive, a positive affirmation. So with those cases, I kind of suggest more about saying I am getting strong so that you are still saying something positive, but that may be a little more realistic. I was thinking just now when you were saying that about what we always say to Mia or, you know, I remember this as a kid too. You say, I can't do this or that. I'm not going to be able to. I can't. I can't. We're always saying, stop saying can't and change your mindset. And you can if you try and all these things. But do we really follow that ourselves a lot of times as adults? I think we kind of have lost that or lose that as we get older. Those lessons that we learned as kids that, yeah, can't is is not the word that you want to use. Yeah. And you were telling me just before the podcast, how much your black belt testing had challenged you and how you really had to learn to deal with your automatic negative thoughts, especially hats off and praise to Kelly. Yes. Kelly Parati. Love Kelly Parati. Yeah. She, (laughs) when she came to me and said, you're going to test for your black belt. And I thought she was nuts because I was like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. I, I, what, what do you, I'm not looking at my other teammates thinking, I don't measure up. What are you talking about? And she was just always that positive light saying, you know, no, you're going to do this. You're going to be just fine. And it took me, you know, I wasn't so much worried the physical, it was the mental hurdles that I really had to overcome. And, you know, thankful for her, just like I say, being that light and that that mentor to say, no, you can do this. And, and I've got your back. And, and, you know, it made me believe in myself that much more. It's like, well, if you trust, I trust her so much. So if she's saying I can do it, then I think I can do it. Kelly's kind of like that evil angel because she also intentionally thought of a specific challenge that I'll let you talk about to to get your black belt. I am so proud um, because you were named best tester and that's that's no small thing. There were some really good um, athletes and martial artists and dedicated people in your class, in your program. And Kelly is the best of the best in, in Reno. So for you to win that was just absolutely amazing. Not just the cherry on top. It was so much more than that. I wouldn't do it justice to explain what what it was like to see you go through that process with Kelly and her crew, but she did something extra special for you that, I mean, challenged you to the max. What was that? <laughs> yeah, the day of our, or I guess it was the last day, the weekend test, it was a Friday, Saturday to finish the test off after the six month training period. Um, she took us to a ropes course uh, in off of Mount Rose, you know, near Mount Rose Ski Resort. And I am deathly afraid of heights if I had to pick one thing that scares me more than anything it's heights so (laughs) she took us to a ropes course and we had some team challenges kind of built our way up and the very last challenge was climbing a I don't even know how tall it was at this point but a like a telephone pole that was suspended by a rope so it wasn't ground you know into the ground and you had to climb up these pegs and yes you're harnessed of course but Oh my goodness, I get nervous just even talking about it right now. My heart starts beating, but climbing up on these little pegs up to the top of this 
log telephone pole thing and then you have to stand up on this little platform at the top and then to top it off after you're standing up there you have to jump off and grab a trapeze bar that's I don't know how far away it was from me maybe four feet I'm really bad with judging the distance but maybe about four feet to jump off and grab it and then once you grab it then you know your partners down below your team down below will help you come down so that was just, I never envisioned in all my positive envisioning of myself that that's something I would accomplish. Kelly told me afterwards that it was a surprise even to me, by the way, because I wasn't, nobody's allowed to know what is going to be the next test, right? So I was really shocked when I heard what you ended up doing because I know how scared of heights you are. And she told me, Aaron was so fit and she just was crushing everything. So I had to think of something that would really challenge her, which again, that's what makes Kelly great at what she does. But you were crying, I think, I'm sorry, exposing this, but you were, you were crying just a, a few feet above the ground. That's how scared of heights you are. So how did you overcome these negative thoughts? I think is really what we wanna share with listeners. Yeah, I did definitely start crying and probably saying some, I do remember telling people down below, I'm sorry that I'm swearing right now because I know there were things that I was saying that were not appropriate, but um, I do remember thinking before, like once I knew what the challenge was that day when I realized what I'd had to do and I told myself, I am not going to give up on this. I'm not, I didn't come this far to just not finish this. So it was really just to prove a point to myself that I could do this. And that was my thought process the whole day was, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. So as simple as that sounds, that's really what got me through. Yeah. So to overcome thoughts, we also want to talk about fortune telling. What that means really is many times when we're afraid of something, when we fear something, we're fearing something that hasn't even happened yet. It's not based on reality. And it reminds me a lot of just the lessons that we, again, talk with our daughter about. And as I go through these lessons with her to kind of try to get her to understand that these things that she fears are either temporary or non-existent. So I'm afraid I'm going to fall off my bike. Okay, but if you do fall, yeah, maybe it's going to hurt and you'll skin your knee, but that pain won't last forever. And in a day from now, a week from now, you're not even going to think about it. So why think about it now? Yeah, it's hard for her to, and I know looking at her while you're telling her these things, she's trying to process what you're saying to her and she's, you know, she's eight, so it's probably going to take some time. But you've been telling her that since she was tiny, tiny when she'd hurt herself. And I think now it's gotten a lot better. You know, she is not as, um, like you're saying, fortune telling, looking towards the future of things that haven't even happened or may never happen. And she's not, doesn't have that negativity anymore as much. I used to do that all the time when I was younger, fortune telling for a race that was coming up. And even though I was in great shape and had trained as hard as I could, I just knew that so-and-so was gonna beat me anyway. Now, how could I know that? How could I know that that other competitor was gonna beat me? I was already giving the race away before I even started. Not to bring up myself again, but I'm going to give another example here that I did the exact thing at my last Spartan race in February with these stupid monkey bars that 
for whatever reason at this course two years ago, it's the one that I failed and it's right like the first obstacle that you do and it's monkey bars and the other races I've flown through those no problem and the second time around at San Jose this year and I knew it and I was like, oh, I'm coming up on the monkey bars. I'm coming in. In my mind, I had already failed because I had failed two years ago on the same thing. And yep, sure enough, I failed this time too. And there were my 30 burpees. And so that was a, you know, there was my fortune telling and it really, it, it ruined that first part for me. Yeah. But you failed forward. You're learning from it going into the next event, whenever that may be. Right. We're going we're gonna to have some different self-talk and especially in the purposeful practice that makes progress. Instead of saying th that practice makes progress or that practice makes perfect, I don't believe in that. I think that your practices need to be purposeful. And in saying that, the mindset part of practice is probably the most neglected. The training part is there but not the mindset part so much a lot of times. And of course, how can you expect a different result if you are not changing the way you're thinking? And there's no amount of training that overcome that. Yeah, and I, for me, I finally think I just get mad enough at something that it's like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, I absolutely will not fail that again because it's just not gonna happen. I love it because that brings up our subject about external versus internal or mechanical feedback, what your body is doing and what you're focusing on there versus your mindset, what you're telling yourself. And studies show that some athletes work better off of mechanical and others work better off of just things like affirmations or self-talk mindset. And, um, and most, I think, do kind of use both, and it just kind of depends on the timing. So, for example, for myself, when I can tell that my body is fatiguing, I can use a mindset strategy, and it's called the magnet. And I'll think to myself, okay, the, the people that I'm competing with in this pack, they are pulling me along like a magnet. So again, that's something I learned from Dr. Del Cotter. She was second in the Ironman World Championship. So she knows something about this. And then the other part is just the physical, the what my body's actually doing. And I think, okay, if I'm gonna improve my mass specific force and continue my power economy or my running economy in this case, I wanna think about pulling my elbows back. I generally think about one thing at a time, or I think push down into the ground. Um, I bring it to my breathing, which personally I think of as more internal and external in a sense. But that's a, that's a good thing for me to go back to so that I can essentially get into the flow, but understand that this is normal, that I should be under discomfort. And if I'm under discomfort, everyone else in that situation with me is feeling equally uncomfortable, if not more so. So that's the thing that I want to remind myself of. And I think that a lot of times we compare ourselves to others with these automatic negative thoughts. And it just simply means that we're human because that's a, that's a natural thing 
to to want to be as good as so and so or it, because it just means you care you care about the result you care about performing well you you want to you know you want mom and dad or or your family to be proud of your you know that's a normal thing and then the mind reading part i think is what gets in the way a lot of times so when we have an, a negative thought sometimes we are i think assuming what others are thinking and the reason why i say it that way is because i'm going to be proud of mia no matter what she does in her life because i know that she is doing it with good intention and she's giving her best effort if if i'm ever going to be disappointed it's not because she's winning or losing it is because she's not trying and she's not giving her best effort she's not she's not performing to her character and i'm i'm sure with 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 you you feel the same way but just rem reminding people that when you are mind reading when you are assuming what other people are thinking about you you're probably not seeing yourself the way they see you i know for a fact i do that with you all the time we just had this conversation i think it was yesterday about where you know we are in a business together we're married there's different stressors and and things we're dealing with you know it's not like you come home and you just shut it down and it's unfortunately that's not our life right now it's 24 7 just us trying to make this work and you commented on that yesterday. We had a good conversation about <clears throat> where I, I mind read you a lot. <laughs> I think that you're maybe saying something to me about me, but it's really about you. And I'm taking it as like a negative and I'm doing something wrong and you're upset with me. And, and the way you explained it to me yesterday was, no, you're actually thinking about yourself and it, and how you can improve things and what you can do better. But here I am thinking that you're talking about me and then it causes just a whole other slew of problems. So that's a, that's a big one for me to work on as well. Yeah, that's, you know, in full transparency, that's what we're trying to do here together in a unique situation as co-hosts where we are married and live together and we are sharing and being trying to be as transparent as possible with our process to let you guys know that, sure, we're, we, we have harder experiences and more negative thoughts that come into our lives too. But the key is that we ended up talking about it. And with my ADD slash OCD and the different challenges, we'll just say I had growing up with that, I take things very personally sometimes. And, um, you know, I know that uh, most people don't, don't know me that well, and they just think I'm extremely confident. And I've actually given myself a little bit of an out there because I can put up a wall where that's what they assume. And so they, uh, they just don't bother me about any further questions. But of course, you're, you're my wife and you're going to read into things a little bit differently and I'm going to be more exposed. And then that's when I'm really telling you, this is about my own insecurities. It's not about you, but it may come out differently. So again, you know, mind reading is a big part of negative thoughts and just realizing that can really help you move on and improve your relationships, I think, with, with others. And then we're going to go on to personalization as being our next main mindset topic. When it comes to not uh, the automatic negative thoughts, I like to personalize 
um, phrases or self-talk a lot of times what I say to where it works for me. So again, if it works for you, and th there's a couple different ways to go about this, but I think you can look at examples. So I'll give you one in particular is in control, ready to roll. And that's one that I use a lot when I'm running, obviously, for obvious reasons. It makes sense. It works for me. I feel good. I feel smooth. Even like a machine, like I'm in control, ready to roll. Like just I've trained myself to do this. I'm good at this. And uh, that's all I need to think about. But then in more challenging situations, especially back when I was hot shotting, I would have some uh, really hard hard fires or situations we'd be in where I'm, I wasn't really sure what was happening next. All I knew is I was dead tired. Um, I even had in one fire that we were in where I fell asleep cutting a tree limb and the saw went right into my chaps. Chaps are to protect your legs, guys. And it gummed up the saw. And then my my boss took me off of the the saw for the rest of the fire assignment. It was super, super embarrassing. And the reason why I say that is because I started uh, creating a new personalization at that point, and I started saying, easy, no problem. Easy, no problem. And I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't feel as tired anymore. And when I was in a situation like that where I could not control, okay? So, you know, in control, ready to roll works when you can control a situation. But I could not control the situation. All I could do was have a better mindset about it. And when I say I can't control that, who knows? Maybe the fire is going to pick up, the wind's going to change, it crosses the line, and then we're on that shift for another 12 hours, even though we've already been working for 24. So that worked for me. Do you have any? To me, the the mental side of things is still fairly new. Like I said, my black belt, well, gosh, now a year and a half ago. But that's really where I started to focus on the mental side because to me it was like, oh, I've got the physical part down. Now it's the mental. So I don't really have the personal personalization saying that I'll that I'll repeat to myself like that. To me, it's more of just what I said before about like the monkey bars where it's like, no, I'm just going to do this and this is what's going to happen today. So that's my personalization, I guess it would be just the mindset of you're just this is what you're doing today. So do it. We also like to refer to labeling as something to be aware of all these topics it's more about just being aware of them not thinking they're not going to happen but just being more aware so you can be prepared to deal with them so labeling what is that it, i'm not good at hills that's a label and that's a negative thought if if i'm going to compete in a, a trail race i'm really going to be in trouble especially you know if you're if you're if you're racing in nevada but really it's a mindset. It's just deciding that you are going to be good at hills or that you are getting ING, you're getting better at hills. I'm getting good at hills. So maybe your strength isn't hills, but you know that you're getting better at hills. So when you go to compete, I may not catch them on the hill or I may not pass them on the hill, but I'm going to run these hills better than I have before. And then I will catch them on the straightaway. I will catch them at the finish. I will pass them at the finish line, that sort of thing. 
I don't know if this would be labeling or back maybe more to the personalization part, but the the competition versus threat mentality of how you see um, certain situations. Like, is this a competition? Is this a a chance for me to to prove myself, or is this a threat where I'm going to just you know collapse under this this pressure and not be able to to finish my goal or reach my goal? So um, I don't know if that would be what would you consider that labeling. Yeah, I, I think, think that falls a into a situation as a competition versus a threat. Yeah, and and that's again just choosing to change your mindset and not seeing it as a threat. That in itself is obviously a step in the right direction, but just understanding that it's normal to label things. We all like to I think categorize things and label things. And so it's good to focus on your strengths. And And I've talked in previous podcasts about how I don't really think that your weaknesses become your strengths. I, I think that you can get better at things in general that you're weaker at. Um, but in, but usually when an area is not a, a natural strength for you, the focus really is on getting better at those weaknesses and then realizing that that plus your strengths equals an un, unstoppable uh, force, uh, you know, for whatever you're trying to accomplish. And uh, it's never perfect, in other words. And uh, the, the final thing really is blaming, playing the blame game. And it's so easy to do when we focus on the negative. Negative focus almost always goes to blaming. And so as a coach, I just I've lost count of the amount of times that I didn't perform well because of the wind. I didn't perform what well, guess what? Everybody else was in the wind too. I didn't I didn't perform well because I wasn't coached right. Well, I'm sorry, maybe I could have changed up one or two things, but at the granular level, especially for example, when I was coaching, thinking back of coaching a lot of high school kids, we're we're really concentrating on the boulders, maybe some of the rocks, but not the sand, right? I mean, that comes at the highest, most elite level. So a lot of the coaching that I was doing, I think, honestly, was going to be going to serve my team and my individual athletes as best as possible. But when there was sometimes an issue with performance, almost always uh, I'd be part of that blame game. And it's not a good thing to be to to, uh, to to go to because before you know it, it's like, okay, even if you've convinced yourself you're right and you're blaming others or you're blaming situations, I just wasn't given a good deal. I wasn't given a fair handshake. That's where you may be right even. You may be 100% right. Maybe you don't have a good instructor. Maybe you don't have the same opportunities given to you that other, others have had you might be 100% correct. It doesn't change your situation though because you're choosing to focus on the blame game. You're choosing to focus on winning at that instead of winning at your life. Yeah, taking responsibility of your situation and taking control of that situation to the best of your abilities is very empowering. So on those times, I know blaming, like you said, can be a short-term, makes you feel good for that second because it takes the pressure off of you like oh well, it's not my fault thank goodness but yeah at the end of the day when you go back and and look at it, it's like well you know it was you so take responsibility and take control of the situation so you're better prepared 
for the next time. I'm just going to finish with how we focus on improving our mindset so we can have a winning mindset. And do we even fight automatic negative thoughts? Do we fight the ants? We, we should, in my mind, accept that we have these thoughts and just do what we can to improve and really focus on what we can control. And that's all you can really ask of yourself to have those incremental improvements, but expect to fail forward. So taking three to one, that ratio is what I always talk about. Three things that you're doing well or that you're getting better at. Add the ING to those three things at least. And then one thing that you know you really can improve upon more or that maybe you've been neglecting and you're recognizing that and saying, okay, this is my strategy. If I'm moving forward and I'm focusing on the three things I'm doing well, recognizing the one thing I can improve because you don't want to overwhelm yourself, then you know that you're doing something productive. And even when you have the automatic negative thoughts, you want to say positive thoughts back okay at least three times for that one negative thought so that's where you use that three to one again three positive thoughts and repeat three times for every negative thought that you have yeah getting back to the the bitter versus sweet that you were thinking was so funny at the beginning <laughs> um you kind of need the, I mean, I don't know if this is going to sound right, but you kind of need that negative to show you how good the positive is. So uh, taking that negative thing that you have and turning it into a challenge and say, you know what, I'm going to switch this. Yeah, it's negative now, but guess what? In a month and two months and a year, whatever it is, this is not going to be a negative anymore. And that's a really great feeling. That is a great feeling. So with that, we will conclude this episode and remind you guys, we would love to hear from you. You can email us. Where can they contact us? Email us at pendolaproject at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram at pendolaproject. We're posting some new um, videos on there. We're working our way to our, uh, hopefully soon getting our YouTube channel up, but we're going to put a few uh, preview videos on our Instagram that'll be little precursors to the more involved videos that we're going to be having on our YouTube. So yeah, please check out our profile there at Pendola Project on Instagram. And then yes, always email us pendolaproject at gmail.com. Yeah. Last thing I will leave with here. I get texts on a daily basis from people that know me, or I get emails from listeners about how much they're enjoying the podcast, the show, how much they're learning. And I've got some incredible stories from you guys, and I really, really appreciate it. But what we would love for you guys to do is, of course, you can write us a review, but at the very least, if you want to help this show out and be able to continue to to hear us talking a year from now, two years from now, and that is the plan, we would love it and really appreciate it and consider it to be, um, you know, part of our culture even to share what we are talking about with your friends, with your family, uh, with people that you think could benefit from this podcast. So at the very least, just share us, share us with others. Yes, that would be much appreciated. Thank you, guys. Okay, hang on. I've got to wake up from my meditation. That was deep. 
Let's keep the conversation going. What are some of your tricks for improving your state of mind? Let us know. Facebook and Instagram or email pendolaproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Let us know what you think because, hey, you're probably right.